It is another edition of the WTOP Huddle. Boy, we have a full cast again this week. Rob Woodfork, Dave Preston, Christian, George Wallace in between sportscasts. So nobody does it faster than George. And again, and we're going to keep talking about Russell Westbrook, I think, and the Wizards because uh, Russell Westbrook is going to keep getting triple doubles and uh, he sets the record now or or surpasses Oscar Robertson, 182 career triple doubles. And that streak, I think now we've gone into the unbreakable territory again. It reminds me of Cal Ripken. Now that he's played 2,632 games, the Lou Gehrig number we never thought would be surpassed. Cal did it. Cal's number that he has established, I don't think will ever be surpassed. Uh, Oscar Roberts, uh, rather Russell Westbrook, uh, his number's not even fixed in stone. It's 182 and counting. And counting. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Lord knows where that's going to end up. But the, but the bottom line is uh, the, the comparison I'm drawing here is, is two elite athletes in their respective sports with a tremendous commitment to competition day in and day out and rooted uh, in family values. Cal Ripken said it over and over again, getting that uh, daily commitment as he watched his father. Uh, Scott Brooks shared with us this week uh, and, and Rob and Russell Westbrook shared uh, coming from his mother and his father, uh, telling him to always be on time, always be ready. And, and things that were instilled in him as a young child and he just continues to carry to another level now in professional sports. So let's appreciate what we have with Russell Westbrook because, uh, you know, I even think about calling that game. I didn't even know how to make that call because it's, it's uh, we're seeing what we're not supposed to see here. And, and it's just so fitting that he get a, gets his 10th rebound to secure the triple-double on a rebound, and he's a 6'3 guard. With that, I'll start with you, George, and we'll go from there. Yeah, I mean, you said it uh, perfectly. I think that we are uh, – because let's – you know, and we, we got to see Cal up close, right? We got to see him every – you know, here, obviously, in this area. And Russell Westbrook, probably somebody that we never thought we'd get to see here. You know, the, I mean, the only person that could have come here in a trade for John Wall was Russell Westbrook because of the contracts. And, and as we mentioned last week, he's a guy that, you know, in the media portrayed – differently and and what we get to see now is I think for me anyway a, a complete 180 of what he was portrayed as before he got here and it's just a shame that not many people get to see him up close uh night in and night out now hopefully if they're still playing on June 11th then you know more people will get to see him in the arena but uh the fact that we are able to see him now and appreciate it night in and night out I think says a lot and makes you appreciate that much more um uh, about what he is and what he's been able to do. And the fact that he, you know, he said the way way he appreciates Oscar, the way he thanked Oscar after the game last night for allowing him to be himself, the way he's always said that about his head coach, Scott Brooks and his teammates come first and this and that, and and the way he has grown up with the work ethic and things like that. For me, it's, it's very genuine and it's great to see somebody that we never we thought we'd get to see night in and night out. So I just have to appreciate him and what he's been able to do. And as he said last night, I'm not done. So let's hope this story is far from over. As Rob, as you guys just mentioned, I mean, that 182, okay, fine. He's got five, six, seven years maybe left in the way he is prepared night in and night out. So who knows? And the reverence, as you mentioned, for Oscar Robertson, as he uh, is driven and determined as uh, Westbrook was in the game against Atlanta, he was as gracious uh, mm-hmm. and accepting his honor in the post game. And he talked about how uh, Oscar Robertson and he appreciated 
that Robertson had to go through things that he never had to go through because Robertson accomplished the feat in the 60s when it, when it was a much different, uh, different climate. Uh, we'll continue the conversation. Rob, you want to go from there? Yeah. So there are two things that stand out with this, uh, with this record. Number one, uh, he doesn't seem to get tired. <laughs> That's a <the> thing. <laughs> And, you know, you're, you're up close, Dave, you're seeing this. Uh, I mean, you never see the guy doing the, you know, tugging the shorts and kind of uh, hunched over. I mean, he's playing in full minutes and he's playing at a high level and he's playing like it's the, you know, last play in the fourth quarter uh, when it's the first quarter, you know, and they just tip the ball off. So he's boundless energy. He's a terrific leader. And I think the second component to this is that not only is he getting these triple doubles, like he's pretty much lapping the numbers. And I had to look it up because off the top of my head, I couldn't think of another point guard that was capable of getting multiple 20 rebound games. Russ has four 20 rebound games. He's a six, three guard who has multiple 20 rebound games. I can count on one hand how many bigs are capable of putting up multiple 20 rebound games and as a 6-3 guard he's doing that it's insane no other point guard has more than one in their career so you know you you look at the rebound totals you look at the I believe he's in the middle of a streak now five straight games with 15 plus uh, 15 plus assists he's got a career high in assists he leads the league career high in rebounds I mean he's putting up career numbers he's putting up eye-popping numbers and I hope that we appreciate this because we've never seen anything like this before. I don't know that we're going to see it again. And the whole temptation is to put him, and some of this is on Scott Brooks too, for saying that he's the second best point guard in NBA history behind Magic Johnson. But, you know, we, we have to stop trying to compare him to other guys, A, because there is no other comparison. He's very unique. And B, let's just appreciate it for what it is. We don't have to always put everything in a historical context or compare guys from different eras and all of this. So, um, you know, he said it very well when he gave Oscar his flowers because he really did do it at a time where it was, you know, a, a, a different climate. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think Russ is just, I mean, there's, there's no words for what he's doing right now. No, and I don't think he sweats. And that's to your point. I'm not making <laughs> fun of it, but it... it I, I've never seen an athlete in any sport look as fresh in overtime as he does yeah. in, in the first yeah. quarter. And it makes you believe there must be cosmetic makeup or something because <laughs> you shouldn't look like that on a Saturday night in Indiana when right. you're, when you're in a, an intense track meet of a game uh, that's played at the pace of a tennis match. And yet he looks like he could go a, a double header if there was such a thing as basketball. It, it truly is amazing. Gee, you ain't lying, man. Track meet, uh, certainly. If you're a betting man like myself, hopefully you were on the over in both of those games, as I was, because the points were a plenty, especially Saturday night at going into overtime. So I pretty much knew that it was a guarantee there. Listen, what I think is crazy is we're, we're, we're singing the Wizards' praises, and we should be. The run that they've gone on is unbelievable. Russell West, Westbrook breaking a 47 year record is phenomenal in itself. But preseason, if we were all, if you would have told us, hey guys, you know, you're going to be talking about a Wizards team that's in not eighth, ninth place, I think we would have said, eh, they should be a little bit better than that. So this is where they should be. This is their level that they're now playing. They're capable of. Bradley Beal with 50. That was almost lost on everybody Sunday or Saturday night. He had 50 points, didn't even play in the overtime period. This team is 
you know, coming to be. They should be here, though, and they're going to make some uh, make some noise in the playoffs, no doubt. But it's been a crazy uh, Eastern Conference, right? I mean, the Raptors officially eliminated, first time in eight years. The New York Knicks having the record that they have. And, they, you know, Wizards are one of the hottest teams or have been. The, the Knicks even superseded that. Um, but now we enter the stretch run here, a couple games left in the regular season in the playoffs. We see it in hockey with the randomness. I don't think in an NBA that's as much. I think the better team does come out on top more oftentimes than not in a best of seven. And Washington, depending upon who their opponent could be, definitely could be in that position to be the better team. And the battle on the boards, by the way, will be key because Atlanta on Monday night did win that game in part on the boards and also in the part because I don't know what the referees were doing. They only took 11 free throws of Wizards and the Hawks took 26, not that I'm bitter or anything. Huge free throw disparity. Right, right. And and they only lose by one, given that. Yeah. And without Bradley Beal in the lineup, that says a lot about the fortitude of a Russell Westbrook team. Are you going to get fined? Are you going to get fined now for that comment? I'll have somebody (laughs) edit this out, I think. (laughs) Dave? I think, you know, it's easy to separate the sizzle from the steak that is Russell Westbrook. It's easy to get caught into the sound bites where he does have a bit of a swagger. I'm not saying he's Ricky Henderson, but you, there are a lot of quotes. I'm the best or I'm expecting to refer to himself in the third person or as Ricky or something along those lines. And it's easy to get caught into, okay, he generates a lot of stats. He's yet to win an NBA championship. But I think you really have to look at him in between the highlights, the things he does on both ends of the floor, the the, the catalyst he has been for this team, the kind of energizer bunny that has rubbed off, that's just contagious. This team has played at a different level against Lower opponents this year, they've beaten those teams, whereas in previous years, maybe they played down to their foes. They've gone on this run where they've won 27 of 49. I think entering this year, once they had made the trade before the regular season began, a 40-win season was not out of the realm of possibility, in my opinion, in December. With all the injuries, with everybody getting hurt, with COVID, that kind of went by the wayside. But they've won 27 of 49, which is about on a pace to win. 40 games in a 72 game regular season question now is how will Bradley Beal return? Uh, he had the hamstring issue. He's going to miss both games against the Hawks this week. Will he be ready for the postseason? If not, it's going to be one of those unfortunate things like when John Wall broke his hand against Atlanta a few years ago. And we were saying, what if for a couple of months, but the one thing, uh, and I'll say this all with impartiality, uh, you can't stop watching. And it occurred to me last night, down by 19 on the road to the Hawks without Bradley Beal, and yet they still make it a game. So, so they don't you, – you can't, you can't turn away because this team – and this goes all the way back to January when they shouldn't have beaten the Brooklyn Nets at home and then they scored six points in six seconds or whatever it was. Uh, there, there's a certain, uh, you know, don't count us out until the end. And they can be on their knees and they're still going to swing some punches. And, and I think that, that's going to make it a fun ride coming up. No, absolutely. And they erased that deficit in Atlanta fairly quickly, almost as quickly as they fell into that hole, they erased it. So that, that was very impressive. Uh, They can play, uh, uh, you know, a variety of different ways. And, uh, and I think like we've said, at least the last three weeks, uh, this is not a team anybody wants to see in the playoffs. Well, and the thing is too, it's like in that situation, it's easy to fold and go home. Like, all right, we're coming back. Bradley's not playing. We'll play again in two nights. Fine. Russell's got his deal. 
But that just shows you the type of leadership on the floor and guys that are now following Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal. And I'm not saying it would have been different, but, you know, John Wall's body language on the court all the time wasn't, you know, the best. I mean, that, that in that situation, you don't know what can happen. I'm not trying to say one way or another, but you can just tell the way now that these guys are playing behind their leaders. Do you have any thoughts on where the Nationals are as we take their temperature this week? Yeah, as, as you mentioned, I mean, the division, luckily the division is what it is. I mean, they're three and a half out, uh, you know, in last place. And just, just show how quickly you go from first, then you lose two or three to the Braves, and all of a sudden you're in last place. But um, the that is a little worrisome, Brad handed back-to-back days. Uh, you know, you hope that Davey kind of gets a handle on the bullpen and using the bullpen. And again, you know, I, I – you, you kind of tread where you are, stay where you are until you have your full complement. I mean, when Soto's back 100%, Steven Strasburg also, then I'll kind of go out and judge these guys. I mean, Scherzer, another gem the other day, just sad to see the way it ended, um, you know, in that bottom of the ninth inning. But they play, you know, they're, they, they just need to kind of stay even, as my man Jim Zorn would say. Stay medium <laughs> for a while, and then when you get your full complement, and then you kind of make a decision as you get towards June or which direction you're going to go. That would be for me. Oh, you get the award, a Jim Zorn reference in terms of the Nationals. I, yeah, And that's I'm, it for me. See you guys next week. Good night, everybody. Oh. <laughs> Leave them wanting more. I love it. Yep, yep. <laughs> hey, Preston. Oh, I, it's, it's unfortunate that not everybody's healthy right now, but that's the case with a lot of teams around Major League Baseball. What is still disturbing is the fact that they're getting the quantity of hits. They're in the top five in hitting in uh, the majors. I think they may even uh, lead the National League uh, in batting average, yet they're still in the bottom five. I think they were 29th in runs scored. And uh, last week they had multiple chances to avoid getting swept by Atlanta. They stranded 10. They left. Uh, they went one for 12 with runners in scoring position. Granted, there was that one called third strike that may have been uh, – almost hitting the dirt basically for, uh, you know, Victor Robles, you know, great eye by the batter, horrible eye by the umpire, but this, that that's one instance and calls will even out. They need to have more productive at bats. And and I, and I don't know what the disconnect is at this point, but when you have a pitching staff where Steven Strasburg is still on the injured list, when you have Patrick Corbin is, Good start, bad start, good start, bad start. When John Lester is still working his way back from not pitching for the first month where you don't really know what you're going to get from Fetty and Ross on a daily basis. Uh, you're only given is Max Scherzer. And even with him, you don't know what the bullpen's going to do. These guys need to put runs on the board and they're not. Uh, uh, Kyle Schwarber, Josh Bell, two offseason acquisitions. I think I, I looked into it as saying, okay, they're going to revert to their 2019 numbers where they both produced 38 homers for Schwarber, 116 RBI for Bell. Uh, as opposed to last year, I think Schwarber hit under 200. Uh, Bell was under 250. Those two guys are more reflective of their 2020 numbers than they are their 2019 numbers. They need those guys to get back on track because runs need to start flowing because they can't depend on their pitching staff that's banged up and still uh, working on coming back if they're going to contend. Chief? Talking about contending, I just watched a Braves team this past weekend, Sunday night baseball. They've got Inoa, one of their young pitchers who stifled the Phillies offense. Their pitching staff is without Mike Soroka, who has worked the Nationals in years past here. Max Freed is really good. 
I think George kind of actually said it best before we rolled out. Stay medium, right? And I think they basically have been Patrick Corbin kind of coming more back to the norm, awaiting the Strasburg return. Joe Ross, I watched that Sunday performance. He was wild and couldn't control his pitches, but it worked to his advantage. He kept the Yankees on their toes, but he was hitting 95, 96. Joe Ross, I talk about Corbin being an X factor. You need Joe Ross to go out there every five days and pitch well. And he did that. He put his team in position to win. Um, Injuries, Starwin Castro has been a nice addition there at third. That's been kind of the hole since Rendon left, who, by the way, Rendon on the injured list once again out there in California. Do we want to pay him a ton of money? I mean, I don't know. It's, it's been a void third base, but Rendon spent a lot of time on the injured list, and I wouldn't say the Angels are going in the postseason or the class of the AL West. So that just a little side point there. But again, I think this Nats offense is okay, but the Braves, they're, gonna, they're tough. No, no doubt about it. I think we have making some new column. Chris Chion's side points. He always goes off and, and, and leaves you wondering, all right, I see where that mind's going. Rob? Hey, those bumpy roads lead to beautiful paces, right? <laughs> uh, that was the saying in the uh, World Series run, right? Um, I, I think it's also worth pointing out, and, uh, and you know, to Dave's point, uh, yes, they are second worst in uh, run score. They're seventh in batting average, so they're getting hits. They're just not getting timely ones, and they're stranding base runners like crazy. That feels like something that's going to get worked out eventually. I feel like there's a hot streak that's going to come at some point. Uh, I don't know when, but like who they are right now is kind of who they've been uh, this season uh, to this point. And I think it also bears pointing out they, they haven't had the benefit. A lot of their series have sort of fallen as such where you're getting sort of the meat of the uh, opponent's pitching uh, matchups. They're not really getting series where they're getting, uh, you know, sort of the back end of, uh, of the opponent's rotation. So some of it is they are going up against some of the best pitching uh, that the opponents anyways have to offer. And uh, they've seen um, uh, DeGrom at least once or twice, I believe, at this That's point. Right. So, you know, and he's worked them for years now. So, um, so yeah, so I, I think hopefully once they start to maybe some of these series will time out a little bit better where they're uh, getting more favorable pitching matchups. Maybe some of this will, will, will start to uh, lead to a hot streak. All right, let's uh, bring this whole thing home. It's, it's uh, whatever topics on your mind. I'll start with you, Dave Preston, lacrosse. We should celebrate uh, lacrosse uh, as uh, I, I limited the local teams to just around this beltway, but you've expanded it to uh, half of the East Coast or something. No, but it also hey, is Stony Brooks in the you right, know, right. You know, target this, demo. Yeah, this is a great lacrosse area in all seriousness. It, it, and it is. And uh, I think, you know, you look at this upcoming weekend, three of the top five men's seeds uh, are from the area, Maryland, Georgetown, Virginia. We're going to extend things down to uh, Charlottesville. They all play Saturday and Sunday. Loyola. Uh, is in action as well. Women's bracket, uh, everybody from Loyola to uh, Mount St. Mary's, Maryland, James Madison, Johns Hopkins, Towson, Virginia. So it's it, this, they're getting the postseason back that was robbed last year. I had a chance to uh, talk to uh, Maryland women's coach, Kathy Reese. And it's, you know, it, every season is like a novel. And even though the Maryland women have gotten to the final four every year for the last decade, you still don't know how you're going to get to that last chapter. And it was as though you're reading a book and all of a sudden the last chapter of a mystery novel is is missing. And so you you it was very disappointing for both uh, the men and the women's teams across the nation where they weren't able to finish their seasons. I'm just glad that they're able to get that this year. So looking forward to that. 
One last aside, uh, baseball, Jordan Zimmerman announcing his retirement. Here's a guy who deserved more in D.C. He had that no-hitter uh, to end the regular season. He should have started game one. He should have finished game two. He did not. He And then the next year, they bring Max in and all that. Uh, he winds up leaving. He comes back finally with Detroit, where he's having an up-and-down season. You know, he's not, he's he's on his way uh, out. As, he's on his way down as far as his career. The week that he comes back in with the Tigers to pitch against his former team, the Nationals sign Steven Strasburg to an extension, and then Max Scherzer goes out and strikes out 20, and Zimmerman isn't able to get out of the third or fourth inning, I think. I mean, just talk about a hard luck guy. Guy deserved better, but uh, hey, congratulations on a great career. One of the first uh, real, he was one of the guys who helped get this team to the postseason for the first time. So we salute you, Jordan. And just to jump on your lacrosse, Maryland women are defending champs. Right. I believe so. It's, it's been, yeah. it, it, it's been seven years since we've had a tournament. Oh, you know, no. I just, yes. dawned on me, I covered that and yeah. that, that was 2019 and, and you're not, it's, we had the same thing with Virginia basketball. You're thinking, well, they can't bore me. I guess they did. And the Maryland men are undefeated in lacrosse. Chief, your final thoughts on anything, anything on your mind or a side point, take us down a road. <laughs> I said pre-show that we weren't going to talk any Derby because of the fact that, um, just a stain on the sport at the moment, but I do want to add Bob Baffert do, did release a statement after calling it cancel culture. Now basically is saying that there was an ointment that the horse used for an infection that contained the banned substance. I just hope we don't get to a point with horse racing where it turned into basically like cycling, right? I mean, Lance Armstrong was the man when I was a kid and uh, people loved seeing him win. And then after that, what have you heard about the tour de France? Really? I know my man, Jacob watches it over at WTOP during his downtime. That's about it. I don't think people are really into cycling anymore. I could be wrong. So I just hope that horse racing doesn't go that way because it's a really bad look. Bob Baffert's been in trouble before. And are we really going to have the conversation before every race? Oh, hope this horse isn't, you know, shot up with something. There's been a lot of incidents at Santa Anita racetrack. Um, I think horse racing is wildly entertaining to watch, but um, at this point, it's just not cool what's happening. Well, no, it, it wildly entertaining, but it's it's a sport that continues to have challenges, and you're right. It does not need more, more scandals because it has a few right now. Rob? Well, we are on the eve of the NFL schedule release, so uh, we don't get to touch on it here today, but um, the one thing... What's the fascination with Tim Tebow? I don't get it. He's awesome. We, I mean, he was he was the awesome. Championships. He was awesome in college, and he proved repeatedly that he's not a good player in the pros. But now they're talking about bringing him to Jacksonville, moving him to tight end, a position that he's never played before. And I, you know, I get that. Uh, Urban Meyer was his college coach and all of those ties and I get it but there's no benefit to bringing Tim Tebow other than selling jerseys and if that's what the Jacksonville Jaguars are about then fine just admit that but uh, the Tim Tebow thing especially at a time when Colin Kaepernick who proved that he can play in the NFL still can't get an opportunity four years later to bring back a Tim Tebow who hasn't set foot on a NFL field since 2012 in a regular season. That's a, that's a horrible look for the NFL and uh, it's, it's, it's just not a good look. All right. With that, we uh, had a, another great get together. We've got a, a town full of <laughs> Hall of Famers. We just talked about with Alex Ovechkin, Russell Westbrook, 
Max Scherzer. What's up with DC United, Dave? When are they going to get on track? <laughs> yeah, seriously. That, that, well, that, that first game was great. <laughs> yeah, they're they're going to get on track. Trust me. Just like just like the Wizards got on track at, at, at some point. Boy, Christian has side points and side roads, and now he's trying to give me a headache. All right, that, that does it for this edition. Uh, for George Wallace, Dave Preston, my friend Christian and Rob Woodford. Thanks for watching. Break. Break. <laughs>